All right, welcome back to another episode of Playing with Research in Health and Physical Education. Uh, Risto here with George Mason University. And today we are getting back into the theory breakdowns. Um, Dr. Kathy McKay is on from uh, James Madison University right here in Virginia. Uh, we met at the last Shape America conference and uh, got to talking a little bit about different theories. So today she is here to uh, discuss contact theory and I will let her do the talking and uh, sign off. Thanks. This is Kathy McKay from James Madison University, and I'm here to talk to you about contact theory. The goal of this short podcast is to introduce contact theory and break it down as a useful theoretical foundation in physical education and adoptive physical education research. So, what is contact theory? Contact theory states that our stereotypical associations and biases will decrease as we get to know and understand the experiences of others through meaningful, equal status, and collaborative contact. This was first uh, purported by Gordon Allport in a book in 1954 called The Nature of Prejudice. And Allport stated that when we have contact with people different from oneself, that this will lead to attitude change if presented under the right conditions. And so these four conditions that he spoke about are the main components of contact theory that we're gonna address in this podcast today. And these are equal status, common goals, cooperation, and identification and acceptance of social norms provided by authority, which I like to sum up as just support from authority. So equal status, common goals, cooperation and support from authority. So what Alport's theory sought to understand was the nature of contact that would produce these positive attitude changes. And so he said, okay, in order to get these positive attitude changes, then we need the conditions to improve negative attitudes. We need the conditions of contact to include these four main components. So when Alport proposed this theory, he was thinking about majority and minority groups. So this theory has been used to explain a great deal about human relations, particularly in terms of prejudice and difference. And so that, thinking about that in a theoretical manner, it's just when we come into contact with people who are different from ourselves, then our prejudiced ideals would diminish as we come to understand and know the other person on a human to human level. There's a good amount of evidence of this theory in the literature. We see uh, research that's been conducted by a number of researchers um, across lots of different um, in-group and out-group settings or looking at majority and minority groups. Um, for example, racial and ethnic groups, homosexual individuals, people with physical or developmental disabilities, mentally ill um, persons, elderly persons. So you can see that contact theory has been used just in a wide range of environments to really see, again, how that meaningful, equal status, collaborative, uh, support from authority contact can improve negative attitudes and perceptions and dispel stereotypes. So let's unpack the four components of contact theory that I previously mentioned. Equal status. So this is based on equality. When groups have contact as equal in status, they're less likely to be antagonistic towards one another. So we see that in the idea that 
If members of a group have an inferior role or an inferior status, it's likely that existing stereotypes will be reinforced. Whereas if individuals have equal are equal in status, we can see some more of the commonalities coming out and being supported. If we see individuals with a higher role or a superior status, that can produce feelings of inferiority. So we want to work towards interactions that are equal in status. Cooperation is the second component. So along with that equal status environment, it's important that activities that include contact are cooperative rather than competitive. So we see this come to life in terms of, of uh, research showing that competition leads to stereotyping. It, it, competition between groups can lead to stereotyping, to hostility, and to placing limited value on accomplishments. And so having a cooperative activities or contact that is cooperative in nature, as opposed to solo or alone, and as opposed to competitive, can really support the idea of contact theory. Alport said, and I quote, the nub of the matter seems to be that contact must reach below the surface in order to be effective in altering prejudice. Only the type of contact that leads people to do things together is likely to result in changed attitudes, unquote. So again, support for the fact that we want um, individuals to be having contact that is cooperative in nature. The third component, personal interactions. So Upwork suggested that the level of personal connection is significant to attitude change. And he differentiated between contact regarded as typical and contact regarded as exceptional. So typical personal interactions may include passing somebody in the hallway or saying and saying hello or casually talking before a meeting starts. These lack connection to the actual personality and life experiences of the people that you're interacting with. So Alport asserted that meaningful contact is necessary as personal situations provide the chance for participants to acquire more information about one another and to get to know each other as individuals. And so that human to human level that I was talking about earlier really comes to life through these um, multiple meaningful personal interactions. And the fourth component, support from authority. So the idea here, it, idea here is that we can change attitudes through contact between group members by relying on support from authority. And this could include laws and customs. This could include support from people in leadership roles. And this support from authority establishes a norm of acceptance. The best example I have of this is considering if a, a school, a K-12 school, is planning uh, diversity Awareness Week or is planning a disability sport education program. This type of program takes approval from people who are higher up and so whether or not a teacher is going to seek approval from a department chair who's then going to seek approval from an administrator who might have to seek approval from somebody in central office. Up this chain of command comes the idea of support from authority. So what then that what that then shows the students or participants is that oh hey you know this environment my school for example they they're indicating that they support diversity efforts because we're having this great um, access and inclusion program that's being sponsored or um, put on by the school. So that's just one example of this concept of support from authority. If communities have mission statements or value statements that speak of inclusion or speak of diversity, that's indicating that at a community level, there's support from authority. Now, not to, get, not to be confused with something that's written on paper, but that's not actually happening, happening in the systems and structures that are at play, that's a different conversation in a different podcast. But what we want to go with is just the actual feeling of support from authority that can come from um, support from that establishing that norm of acceptance.
All right, so let's see how we put this theory into practice. So we talked about the four main components, equal status, cooperation, personal interactions, and support from authority. So bringing that theory into practice in the educational settings is kind of brought to life by considering this. Schools should offer educational environments where positive equal status contact experience experiences are created, sanctioned, and supported by educational leaders and administrators. And so when we look at this, uh, this specific type of, of practice in physical education, for example, we can see that careful planning and preparation is needed so that the highest quality, there's an emphasis on excellent results from all of our students. So we're looking at that equality or equal status um, uh, relationships and feelings coming across from all the students. Creating a physical education setting that facilitates relationship building and equitable social interactions, as I mentioned, that does require planning and preparation. And you can support this equal status, teachers can support this equal status, by making sure that no one group or person has an inferior role or status in class activities, which could prevent existing stereotypes from being, from being reinforced. We can also, as teachers, plan cooperative rather than competitive activities, for example, working on group goals that are variety of activity stations and consider that competition between the groups can lead to stereotyping hostility and doesn't necessarily support that collaborative positive contact. We can consider the way that personal connections can be supported in physical education and adaptive physical education through our purposeful planning and thoughtful attention to supporting those meaningful interactions and setting up systems and structures that allow for those meaningful interactions to take place. So the students have that time and space to really get to know one another, to really get to understand their shared interests and commonalities and, and build that sense of classroom community um, with their group. And then, of course, by creating a gymnasium atmosphere that supports contact and sets high expectations for equitable social behaviors, teachers and education leaders are sending that clear message that, hey, I'm in a position of authority and the norm of acceptance is that we are uh, inclusive of one another and we are equitable and we have social acceptance of all of our peers. So that's one way that you can see, or those are some ways that you can see uh, the the. the theory, the four components of the theory, come to life by utilizing those components of contact theory um, in your planning and execution of an equitable learning environment, setting that foundation for acceptance and inclusion. I'm going to take a moment to plug my own work related to uh, contact theory. Um, I've done a number of, of research articles that have utilized contact theory as the uh, theoretical foundation, um, most of which involve uh, the Paralympic School Day curriculum that's based on the International Paralympic Committee's uh, published Paralympic School Day curriculum. That's an education and awareness curriculum um, that's th theoretically based in contact theory. Um, I also have, have indicated the fidelity of implementation of contact theory to the Paralympic School Day curriculum, which is another piece of really great uh, research. So uh, I encourage you to check it out. So in summary, contact theory states that our stereotypical associations and biases will decrease as we get to know and understand the experiences of others through meaningful, equal status, and collaborative contact that's supportive uh, by authority. I think contact theory has some pretty amazing human implications at all levels of our communities and societies, and I highly encourage you to take a look, take a look at it as a great research uh, foundation and a, a great theory to explore. Thank you.